are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. It's so nice to have people get you, you know? <laughs> My favorite thing was when they start. I mean, they started doing music videos. Oh yeah, and I remember oh, watching goodness. the music video for like that the ocean song. and yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, oh, yeah. they were so cool. The way they dress and everything. Yeah, like I mean, like yeah, the mom jeans and yeah. I missed that error. I did too. Right. No, I missed it. Oh, you missed it. <laughs> I was in I college it. listening to R and B or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh. Have you been in this area for twenty years? Twenty years as of this past. July is when I moved. And you came here for Rob? Yeah. He brought you here? That's supposed to be for 10, and we're supposed to move back down to South Carolina. Oh. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> he says he never really agreed to that, so. Oh, well, we're blessed because of that. <laughs> I was you. like, I can do this for 10 years, but no more. I can do snow for 10 years or no more. <laughs> and what, this is year 20? Yeah. I just don't go out. <laughs> so home it is. Start making uh, snowmen. Or that's something. a good thing I'm an introvert. <laughs> Hello, Shine Podcast listeners. Welcome to the Shine Podcast. I'm Beth. I'm Kate. And we have the privilege of interviewing Mrs. Elizabeth or Eliza or Liz, but don't call her Beth here. <laughs> Osborne. It's confusing if you call me Beth. So too many Beths around here, but welcome. Thank you. Glad yeah. to have you here. Welcome. So I call her Liz. She calls me Liz. I do. And yeah. so we're going to call her Liz today. Call me but Liz today. If okay. you see her, you can call her Elizabeth or Eliza. Like I've introduced myself so many different ways here. I'm so sorry to everyone who goes to church here. <laughs> I just had to fill out a it's background a check. Apology. <laughs> and I... It, it was nine sheets. It took. It still hasn't come back because I have so many aliases oh of my, my four names. <laughs> the other lady, who, right now the other lady whose name was Karen, just had one sheet and it came back immediately. <laughs> and they're still trying to find me. What so. in the world? Anyhow, well, welcome, Liz. Hi, whoever so, you are. <laughs> in case you don't know, Liz, Liz is originally from Columbia, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and she met her love of her life, Rob Osborne. Yes. Many years internet. ago on, on the, the internet. internet. <laughs> she has been in the Youngstown area for plus 20 years, yeah. even though she only agreed to 10, but we're glad that they're, <laughs> we're glad that they're still around. I started so, moving my family up here now. So, yeah, yeah. so they <laughs> have a love. beautiful 14 year old daughter, Verity. She's who's, now. She's Fifth, that's right, she had a birthday. Oh, my gosh, that's, like, old. Yes. 15-year-old Verity. Oh. She is a writer and editor, and she also would claim to be a professional napper, although she did mention that she doesn't get paid for that. Get paid so. for that, yeah. So but that's recreational napper for sure. Inspiring. <laughs> inspiring. Occupation that she has is to be a professional napper, yes. so don't mess with her nap Love time. It. But So glad to have you here today Thank with you. us. <laughs> So tell us, Liz, what or who turned your light on? Well, I was one of these kids who grew up in the Christian family, you know, and um, I, one of those, one of those, <laughs> one, of you, one of you guys. Um, <laughs> my grandfather was a Southern Baptist preacher, so it was kind of like in the blood too. And then actually, I have 
Oh, way back. I had one who was one of the early on horseback preachers who went around, the circuit preachers. Itinerant yeah, preacher. in, in Tennessee and Kentucky and whatever. I feel like we so. have, out of the very few people we have podcasted, she is now the third person <laughs> who comes from a family Traveling, traveling ministers. Traveling preachers. Yes, you're the third one. Yeah, well, there we go. Isn't it interesting how we're all here? Yeah, yes. Southern I mean, Baptist. Like, is that don't is drink, happening? don't smoke? What do you do? Well, it's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we nap. Um, <laughs> we nap and we eat food. Um, and, yeah, then, then my parents... The Southern Baptists were too, like, charismatic, because when I grew up, that was, like, a, a bad word. <laughs> they were too charismatic, so we were independent Baptists, which I think is closest to Mennonite here. Not exactly the same, but I think that's to give you, like, an, an idea of the way church goes. And we didn't have drums in our church or anything like that because reasons. So then I'm here, which is different. <laughs> yeah, we have drums here. <laughs> And tambourines. Yeah, yeah, here. <laughs> so, yes, and then, you know, speaking in tongues and mm-hmm. all those crazy, crazy spiritual gifts, which I actually am really blessed to be part of now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you grew up in a Christian home. When did it become your own? I remember at three, I think I was three years old, I was really small, and I was at a uh, vacation Bible school kind of a thing. And they would lay out at the end of your fun day doing all sorts of activities. They would have the the quiet time where they would tell you stories and stuff. But I remember through that week understanding the gospel story well enough to be able to recite it to you. Jesus died for your sins, da, 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 you know. I understood it at three years old, and I very specifically remember being very small and understanding it. But it wasn't until I was 16. <laughs> it was at my birthday party. I was having a sleepover. It was like a revival night. It was weird. And a bunch of us just changed that night. Like, I, I can feel the Holy Spirit right now because I'm going to cry because, like, it was the first time I actually felt it. So 16 was an important year for me. And was then, that something new to you or oh, did one of your friends it was crazy. that was there? I had charismatic friends there. So. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. But what was interesting, though, is that um, when I look back, you know, when I was three or however young I was, but I feel like it was three. I remember the man who was there every day telling us this Bible story. It was a mostly white church, but he was this big, huge black guy who came in. He was, talk about shine. This guy shone, you know, (laughs) just the biggest smile, the biggest heart for everybody. And I distinctly remember him. When you meet somebody like that, you're like, well, there we go. That's who you want to be like. Even though I don't have the the personality that he has or anything like that, it's just, he stuck with me. Fast forward to, oh, I was in high school then too. So I was homeschooled and my mom worked at the homeschooling organization in South Carolina. So she would be the person who answered the phone and answer all questions and get people directed to the right departments, like special needs or whatever they needed help with. But in the building, we shared the building with Child Evangelism Fellowship, and the CEF goes across, you know, the world and in a very easy to understand way, just preaches the gospel, shares the gospel, doesn't even preach it, shares the gospel. And it makes faith something that kids can understand and attain. I went down to visit because some of my friends were working with them through the summer. And I went down to visit after they had one of their training sessions down in the office. Down at, and I was interested and I was like, okay, this is cool. So I had done missions like the year before, and I was like, I might want to do this next year, you know. So I signed up to do their program. During our training week, I met this big 
massive black guy who just shone. And his name was Papa Henry, Henry Hennigan. And it was the same guy when I was three years old. Wow. Stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I got to work with him. I ended up going on staff with him for a while. I got to work with him and actually see someone consistently shining in the community. If you want to talk about a mentorship, it wasn't intentional. But, like, wherever he went, he was mentoring somebody. It was just kind of just how he lived. And when I finally realized, I was like, that was the guy. That's him. <laughs> you know, it and was fantastic. How amazing that God brought that situation right. all and the way Right, and that I can remember or, it. Oh, Like, I don't goodness. remember anything else from when I was three years old. Right. But I remember, I remember that man, and mm-hmm. it was Papa Henry. I had people who were consistent in faith and consistent in lifestyle and stuff around me, which showed me how to live. Right. And he showed me how to just pour <laughs> into other things. So he was fantastic. And fun fact, his daughter, Monique, actually ran in the Olympics. She was uh, some sort of runner, an Olympian. So. On top of that. <laughs> yeah, Papa Henry. So Liz, tell us, what lights you up? I'm talking about childhood things that, that stick with you. Um, when I was like seven, my mom read to me Little Women, like a chapter a night. I really wheedled her. It was two chapters. She, I think it was the first like long book she'd ever read to me, but I connected so much with the character Jo. She was not a Disney princess. She was not <laughs> She was not perfect. She was a mess. She wore her heart on her sleeve. Uh, she wanted what she wanted loudly. And for some reason, it was the first time I actually felt like I connected with someone outside of my small family circle. Uh, I fell in love with story at that point. Over these years, ever since then, actually, I think that's kind of when I started writing little stories in my head before I was really writing, and then and then writing more, like, on typewriters and mm-hmm. things. It helps fictional stories and nonfiction both just really help you understand what other people are going through. Um, I'm, I'm very introverted. I, I live in my head a lot. What's your number on the Enneagram? I'm a five. Five. <laughs> I live inside my head if I'm not careful. I like it in there. It's good in there usually. It's, it's usually a fun place to be. We're glad you like us threes. <laughs> <laughs> threes can be really like an unhealthy three can be terrible. A healthy three is like fantastic. Yeah, you guys are wonderful. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll claim the health part of that. Spectrum. No, but seriously, <laughs> I know some unhealthy threes and I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> But unhealthy fives are really bad, too, and I've been one of those for a while. So mm. <laughs> The goal is everyone's healthy. Yeah, exactly. Healthy and, and strong and all the numbers would be amazing. So I think I think a story is a way for me to connect to other people that I normally wouldn't even reach out to. And then I could be like, oh, I actually have a commonality with this person or this kind of person. Humans label other people and they categorize and they sort people. And then people show them that they're wrong. But you initially have to get past that to get to the, oh, you're more than just this. Anyway, so, yeah, I think that helps me relate to other people and it gives me some common ground because, you know, it's not just my own little echo chamber in my head of what I think and, you know, what I believe and what I, what I, what I. Um, It's what other people have experienced. Oh, that's actually true, too. These things can both be true at the same time, maybe. We're proud of you for coming on our show because <laughs> all the other introverts that we've asked to be on this show look at us like we have two heads. My and husband? Like, Never again. <laughs> no, I'm not doing <laughs> so oh, no. no, it's actually uncomfortable, you guys. So that's why if I wasn't. So all you introverts that are listening, you could too be on this show. <laughs> not so bad. But I think there is something um, about the idea where people can connect to characters, yeah, not real created characters, but create such a relationship with them mm-hmm. that does feel real. 
I have a couple of friends who finished Harry Potter <laughs> and were saying they just saw finishing the, the series. Yeah. And it's like losing a friend. It is. We are changed by someone else's yeah. imagination. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love, I mean, I love nonfiction as much. Um, being the five, you know, you want to know about the real world too. Mm-hmm. Desperately need to understand it. It's a driving force in your life that's trying to understand the things going on around you and why this happens. And um, I'm part of a five group on Facebook and the questions and the things that pop up in there, like I'm, I know I'm among my people. You know, I asked the other day, so what random thing did you wake up in the middle of the night and have to Google? And number of responses were was insane because everyone's doing it. The variety of topics that you're like, I don't know anything about this. I need to know about this right now. And for me, it was flamenco dancing. I need to understand flamenco dancing right now. So, what made that pop in your head? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to flamenco dance, but I needed to know. It. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, like, so I love nonfiction because it does help you understand right. things outside of your wheelhouse. But there is something to story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a narrative story, even biographies and stuff. Just even the way somebody tells their own story, even if it's not exactly the way it happened, or even if it's like not entirely true, the way they tell their story matters because it explains their worldview and what they mm-hmm. think happened to them and what they think is happening in the world. So it's, I think, especially in the climate right now, it's so important to listen. Just yes. Listen. I told Chris that what I really want to do when I get to heaven is I would really enjoy hearing everyone's story. Yeah. I have eternity, right? Mm-hmm. So who really cares how long it takes? And to be able to do that with your sanctified ears where you're not judging them? Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be cool? But just to sit down <laughs> and hear someone's someone's life story, like the things they've experienced, how they've yeah. walked, the decisions they've made. Yeah. Like I want to sit down with yeah. a billion people. That's the thing Rob and I talk about it. We're like, well, if we could go back and do things over again, would you? And we're like, yeah, we would, but... We would probably still make the same decisions because we would still be armed with the same knowledge that you had when you made those decisions. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could change much. If you could go back and knowing what you know now, it would be totally different on some things, I'm sure. You can't just change who you were. I love hearing a story and I love uh, connecting with people that way. And, and right now, I love... I enjoy writing still and I, I still love getting into my own little world and like getting it down on the computer, on paper, whatever I'm doing. But I have... This big like drive right now is to just amplify everybody else's stories. Everybody else that I'm starting to hear like through the podcast, you know, I had Josh on. You know, like you know Josh, and you know that there's there's many layers to Josh to begin with. I mean, you just meet him once, and you're like, there's a lot going on here because he's creative and he's intelligent and he's compassionate and you know all these people that you've already that i've heard so far but like i'm just like man everybody has a book in them (laughs) that's kind of how i feel about it like at least one i feel like you two between the two you probably have like 12 so (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i know so i i love just being able to like take what's in someone's head especially and if they don't know how to communicate it coaching that out of them and I think that's it's fun for me and it's exciting and I was involved in a lot of productions in um, high school and college and I never wanted to be on stage I always loved being the stage manager or being on tech because that actually helped other people do their job better people on stage do their job correctly and I kind of feel like it's kind of reverting back to that I want to make the best production possible for someone else's light to shine I guess Mm. that makes sense 
So you're taking your love for stories and your passion for stories, and you're letting your light shine right now, not only through your own stories, but helping other people not necessarily even start to write, but even think about writing. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, can we take you for example? Oh, sure. <laughs> There we go. You're here. I can take oh, you're calling me out. <laughs> oh, it's funny because, like, I'm going to call Kate out too here. Oh, um, <laughs> let's do her first. <laughs> That's her fault. Um, <laughs> we were talking, Kate and I were talking last year, even uh, toward the end of last year, about really just focusing on getting these ideas for curriculum and training stuff and just resources in general into production to begin with, but then make it accessible to as many people as possible, mm. essentially, right? And she we kept want on to have saying, resources. yes. And she kept on saying, bestseller. I said, bestseller already knows her title. She hasn't even started to write. She knows. She didn't tell me that she has like three books that she's thinking about. Well, and she's got three titles. She so yeah, like right now, I mean, we're, we're in the, in the very early stages of it, but it's about just figuring out what you want the end product to look like, even though it might not be that, but just having some idea of that and then seeing what you've got and prompting the stuff to get out of your head and onto where somebody else can see it. Yeah. That's the hardest part mm-hmm. of the whole process for most people. I'm giving you assignments, I'm giving some other people some assignments. I gave you homework a couple of weeks ago. We need to go over that today, by the way. Um, <laughs> did I turn it in? <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> it's, it's been a crazy year. <laughs> Things like that, just starting to get people to get it out where they can share it. And I mean, some people are further along in that process than others. Can I talk about Beth Sheldon? She's been writing copiously for years and years. She has gold and what she's doing, but she doesn't know what to do with it and how to, how to get it out. So we've been talking about how to do that and how to make it accessible to as many people possible. There's so much inside of people. There is. And to get it out. Yeah, and it's the, it's the hardest part because... It's hard, I mean, I think, but... Who, who said this? There's someone recently who was just talking about, no, nobody needs to hear that. I don't know if anybody's interested in that. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> no. Because the women's conference oh, that, was that we Monica. had. That was, that was Monica. Okay, her you story. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, no. If you feel like you need to write it, just go ahead and write it, and we'll figure out what to do with it. Come to me, we'll figure out what to do with it. I think it's just another sign of us feeling too small, being too small, and accepting our smallness. In the in the idea that we can't change people, that that'll never affect anything. Yeah. That's not just our situation. It's not just our experience. It's everywhere. But if I think we just need to expand that oh, thought definitely. a little. Yeah. Well, I if mean, we did believe my story, my thoughts, my imagination, the characters I have in my head, mm-hmm. if it's you know fiction or the reality I've experienced, if it's nonfiction, mm-hmm. yeah, it changes. And publishing itself and has changed so much in the past 10, 15 years that what you think of as a book. That idea has expanded so much, and people get the idea of a book looks like this. And now it could be a PDF format. Now it could be, it could be so many different things. It could be turned into a video. It could be so easily now. Everybody has the power in their hands if you just have the right skill set. And the more I learn about the people in this church, the more I'm like, we have so many skills right here that we're sitting on. We do. Let's do it. Let's do it. We have artists, we have fantastic musicians. So what would you say to our listeners who have the thought of wanting to write or books in their heads that aren't on paper yet? What would your advice be for them? Give yourself a very attainable goal. One is is to actually... Turn in 300 words to Liz every Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And like with Monica, I was like, 
Eight minutes a day. Eight minutes a day. Like, it depends on the person what you're writing, I think. Oh, but, gosh. Uh, I Eight minutes would be a lot shorter for me. Oh, definitely. Than definitely. 300 yeah. words. <laughs> 300 words can be, like, bleeding out, dying, trying to get it out. Like, it's horrible sometimes. But I think, I think the very first thing I should say would be that uh, get over yourself. You're more important than you think. Get over this. Nobody cares. Doesn't matter. Oh, I like that quote. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard thing. And that's for every creative, no matter what you're doing, not just writing. Uh, every, especially every creative who's trying to be a responsible adult. Get over yourself. I have to yell at myself that every week. I have one child, and she is very self-sufficient, and she's amazing, and she can be on her own a lot. She's fantastic. She makes her own meals if she needs to, whatever. It's fine. But I still have that guilt of if I am not with my family, I should be doing something productive. Welcome to the three world. <laughs> Maybe what is, a little bit of that what there. I, there is something, though, about yeah. the idea where writing or spending time alone to express yourself on paper, it does not equal productivity. Mm-hmm. What is that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm challenged like Chris. I mean, I know he has so many actual responsibilities, but he desperately needs to be having that creative time for whatever he wants to be doing because God created you that way. He gave you those things and their gifts, not curses. Right? Right. (laughs) Right, that other people need. I always say God puts dreams in little seed dreams in your heart, and our job is to partner with God and grow them so they produce fruit. That feeds and other people. For, for those of us who were raised with the word selfish in our vocabulary, don't be selfish. Don't be greedy. That feels selfish to do something that gives you joy and that is good for you. I mean, like I could do Bible study for like three hours a day and get totally into it. And I could, you know, my five, you know, I want all the historical context. I want to know what this word means and what the root word for what it was like then. I want to know a context for everything. I could, I could do three hours of Bible study a day, but that feels gratuitous too, because I'm like, well, that's not productive, but that's more productive than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, yes, you do have to have the works to go with it. You know, you do need to be able to reach people and whatever, but. Yeah. So create time. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Just get your story down. Get If it's music, get your music down. You know, get it out. Challenge yourself. One of the hard things is, especially for people I think that are extroverted and creative at the same time, is that you do feel like you're in a vacuum. Just creating a, a community for yourself, finding your community. And if you see other people who are kind of like you, growing them too, investing in them because that's investing in yourself as well as far as creative endeavors go. Because extroverts don't feel like they... Well, I think I think it's painful for, like, an extrovert to be in a room by themselves for, like, eight hours. I imagine. Oh, that's that how painful? long you want me to be writing by myself? <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're writing and you're editing and you're, like, crafting your work, I feel like that would be painful for someone who's not me. <laughs> well, I love the story of Gabriel Garcia Marquez. He, one of the stories is, is when he was writing A uh, Hundred Years of Solitude is that he was he was in... Uh, his car with his family, they were driving to, I think, California, and he was downloaded on this trip of 100 Years of Solitude. He knew exactly what the storyline was going to be. He knew it. He turned the car around, drove home. But, I mean, talk about writing for eight hours a day. He went into his his office and began to write and didn't leave. I mean, they, they would call his office the cave because he never left. He would stay in there. They brought him meals in there. He would he would smoke in there. So it was always very dark and smoky. And so people would say, you know, he's in his cave. 
But the idea that there is something about writing that yeah. is very isolated in yeah. a way and very individual. Yeah. You know, but sometimes I heard it has that story. To be I was that. like, that's yeah. crazy. I could I, never. I work really well like that. When I was drafting my first, I'm going to say real novel, because I had done several other not real novels, the one that actually had the most potential. Oh my goodness. I was like, just feed me and let me go to the bathroom. I might yeah. sleep sometime. I don't know. And it was like a month of that. Mm. And it was fantastic. It was the best month of my life. Yes. <laughs> because and I was there somewhere was a else reason the entire I don't have time. A book yet. <laughs> If I have to leave this little room, don't talk to me. Well, I'm not in, here. <laughs> in Bob Goff's new one, Dream Big, he talks about that writing is the hardest thing he's ever done. Mm-hmm. As a seven who never sits still. Right. Oh, because yeah. It, you know, there is something you are required of yeah. when you're writing. But when, when, <laughs> it, when it starts to pull you, though, I've seen it with Verity because she started writing. Picked her up last Thursday got home and she immediately i mean i think she tested out a seven i think she's still developing and we'll, we'll see where that ends up but she she's very extroverted you know she's very friendly and wants mm-hmm. to be doing she, like she fomo is very real for her it's not for me like i i rarely feel like i'm missing out on stuff <laughs> it's like painfully real for her i think she's gotten a lot better you know she's gotten older about not expressing it but at the same time she always wants to be where anybody else is so if she knows that your kids are doing something why am I not there? <laughs> but she, I picked her up from her grandparents' house uh, where she does school on Thursday and got some dinner on the way home. And I was like, so do you want to go watch some high school musical TV show? You know, do you want to watch that? We've been doing that. And she's like, nothing. I'm going to get right. So she just went up and I didn't see her again until the next day. And I was like, I get that. <laughs> she's like me now. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. To see her actually have it have it draw her in so much mm-hmm. and this this ability that she's she's growing to has been really cool and it was hard for her because I mean I think any number is afraid of failure even sevens when she was little like when we first started homeschooling one of the things I got her because she she didn't want to do any art she had a total aversion to doing art projects or anything. And I'm like, you are like six years old. You should just be doing art no matter what it is. You should be, you know, putting your handprints over everything. Why don't you want to do anything? And I realized that she had this perfectionism in her at six where she didn't want to do it if it wasn't going to be what she thought it should look like at the end. So I got her one of those books that's um, Trash This Journal or whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> we did that with Tina. She has done that. And I was like, the entire point of this is to follow the instructions and make a mess because art is messy. You are going to make a mess, make it up, make a mess on paper, whether it's writing, whatever you're doing, because you're not going to get better unless you make a mess first. And you might have to make six years of mess before you figure out how to make something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Those six years are not wasted. <laughs> They're not wasted. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And those, those pages of manuscripts that you printed out, I cleaned out my office at the beginning of the year which is a great thing to do at the beginning of this year of all things. I had stacks and stacks and stacks of old manuscripts. And I was like, okay, I can let these go now because I know who I am as a writer now. All the mistakes that I made in those got me to where I am now. And I'm proficient and I'm capable and I'm publishable now. It was many, many years of making horrible mistakes and also building thick skin. Right. (laughs) 
when it comes to critiques and edits and stuff because early on there were times where I would receive edits and I would either get angry because I'm like, these people are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they don't understand anything. <laughs> How do they drive? <laughs> they vote? <laughs> Why would they want me to change that? That's a perfect phrasing. And then or just being completely gutted because they didn't like something that I thought was gold. Just, I would just sob. I'd be so defensive of my work. And then over the years, you're like, oh, if they're having a problem with it, I'll, I'll test that with somebody else and see if they have a problem with it, too. You know, you mm-hmm. learn to be logical about it and be like, okay, this will get me to the best product possible. It will help me tell my story better if I get rid of this thing that I love so much. Maybe I'll use it in another book somewhere. You have to make a mess, a lot of mess, before you can make something beautiful, usually. There are very few prodigies among us. Yeah. But in the act of creating art of yeah. any sort, just saying that, you know, years down the road, yeah. it's also changed you. Oh, yeah, you've absolutely. You've created things, you've made things, and you've, I'm sure, changed. I'm so glad those books were not published. I would affected. be so embarrassed about them. Oh, but I mean, like, <laughs> you've, you've affected people in your writings. However, it's, all, it's also made you a better person. Oh, definitely. Like, thicker skin. Oh, well, and a, the other thing, too, is, like, I got to the point where I was good enough to querying publishers. Well, traditional publishing is a beast of its own. I was trying to conquer it, you know. So many people do. There was a a group of us who were kind of working together and we were kind of critiquing each other's stuff. And a bunch of my critique partners, people whose work I'd worked on, ended up getting deals. And some of them are like famous now, like bestsellers now. I had those few moments of, my turn? (laughs) When's it? Hello? (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) Look at my stuff. I fixed that book for her and now, you know, she's making bank on it. What about me? (laughs) You know, and I, I would get I would get a little bit bitter about it. And then it finally hit me. I'm like, because people are buying this stuff, it's fantastic for me because it means there's still a market for what I do. That's transferred into like everything in my life because like I don't get jealous of people anymore. Jealousy is so toxic and it just ruins your day, your week, whatever. If you just let it in a moment, it's like poison. Mm-hmm. Being able to watch other people be successful or have friendships without me, I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's not just my five. It's like... I am so glad you're in a healthy relationship. Please, you guys go out to dinner. I don't need to be invited to everything, you know. (laughs) I'm so happy when I see my friends being healthy. Even when I'm not in a good place and I know I'm not in a good place, I'm so glad that other people are, you know. And I know that I'll be there again eventually. It's just, it's temporary. So you've gone from having jealous streaks to letting your light shine by really encouraging people and drawing things out of people that may not have ever come to the surface. So much less exhausting to be encouraging, (laughs) to be happy for people. It's fantastic. It feels so good. (laughs) I really appreciate your encouragement because I think when we're on our 52nd podcast a year from now, you know, I think that there'll be some productions that have taken place because of Liz's encouragement and expertise and um, prodding put behind those pieces of work. Good. Yeah, I'm hoping so because I think that we're kind of like sharing a vision here at this point and I think it's a really cool one and Mm -hmm. I want want everybody on board who needs to be on board. What is that vision? I think it's multimedia at this point. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd I'd love to have – I'd love to be part of everything from video to books to obviously the podcast is fantastic, but we could do – audio books we could do all sorts of stuff if you're out there and that's tickling your ears (laughs) if anything interests you (laughs) i'll be the one come and see liz hiding in the corner at church (laughs) (laughs) go find her (laughs) 
audiobooks <laughs> is like my dream. Really? Monica and Monica I, too. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I took a class on audiobooks. Are you serious? On reading. Yeah. God doesn't waste any of our experiences either. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I look back at the things that I've done and I'm like, I can use that now, you know, mm-hmm. like these random little things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually know about that. <laughs> so. so real quick, what book has made you sob? It's The Great Bridge by David McCullough. And it is about, it's heavily architectural. And I do not know architecture at all, but it's a lot about the building of the Brooklyn Bridge. It's about the building of the Brooklyn Bridge, about John Roebling, who he and his father their entire struggle on how how they fought to get the contract for it. When they were no longer to work on it, his wife, who he'd met during the Civil War when he was he was in the Army, his oh. wife, Emily, came alongside and she learned every aspect of architecture, of law. She became a lawyer in the 1800s. Maybe it was in the early 1900s by the time she did it. She learned everything so that his dream could be fulfilled. Wow. And I got to the end of that and I was... A mess, because it was so beautiful. Kate, what book made you sob? <laughs> the Goldfinch. That's actually on my list of, like, really soon to reads. Okay. I sobbed through that book. And when it ended, mm-hmm. I sobbed more. Okay, good deal. I'll, I'm prepared. I have to be in a, a space that I can read it then. I loved that. Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. How about you? <laughs> the Outsiders. By Essie Hinton. Oh, yes. Hinton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sobbed. That's Johnny Boy, book. stay golden. Johnny Boy, <laughs> stay golden. How about what book have you <laughs> laughed out loud? I just finished what is out there of Maureen Johnson's Truly Devious series. I felt very seen by the main character <laughs> because she's very much like who I am in my own head. You know, when I'm alone, I felt like somebody had just written me into this story in a lot of ways. I was laughing out loud just because I'm like, yep. And then also earlier this year, I read the Agatha Raisin series, which is like Agatha Christie, but she is an unhealthy three and (laughs) highly competitive and to the point of like, she doesn't care what is actually happening to anyone else around her as long as she looks better, you know, but she is hilarious. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my goodness, this woman. So the Agatha, Agatha Raisin series, because I was supposed to go to the Cotswolds this year. That was my big plan for myself this year was to go to the Cotswolds and I decided to read about the Cotswolds instead because Corona kind of killed my travel plans along with everybody else's. <laughs> Kate. Nonfiction. I've read snippets of his stuff, but not entire books, but John Acuff. Oh, Makes yeah. you laugh out loud. He's so funny. He's so funny. And he's got great stuff to read. Oh, I mean, yeah. if you're interested in nonfiction. I'm yeah. part of his mailing list and even his like emails are hilarious. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> funny. I enjoy him. Yeah. Well, this will make me sound really shallow. But <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh, I, I read that to all three of my kids. We were laying on Jaden's bed, all of us. And I was laughing so hard I couldn't even talk anymore. And my kids were like, Mom. It just made me think of my life as a mother with <laughs> boys. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe that's why I didn't relate, because I only had a girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Couldn't breathe. Couldn't breathe. Check it out. It's funny. <laughs> Brittany used to love those books. Of course she did. So it, was is, Junie, it was Junie B for us, though. Yeah. Oh, we Ramona. have everyone. Yeah. Junie B. Jones. Junie B. Jones. Anything else you want to tell us today? 
I just really like hanging out with you guys. So I can hope we can do this sometime without a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it again. Uh, <laughs> that's it. That's awesome. Well, it's been fun. I like you too, Liz. Fun listening to you. And we have things to look forward to, stories that are yeah, going to be happening from a lot of you listeners out there. Looking forward to that. Thanks for your time and thanks for letting your light shine and helping others to shine a light on themselves. Too. Well, that's exactly what the podcast is doing. So thank you both. Too. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> that's fun. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye.